In the name of one God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good morning to all of you. Thought I'd start our sermon with a question for you to ponder. Have you had an encounter with a person through which God did just amazing things from that relationship, whether it was a one-time coming in contact with them or if it has been prolonged over the section or a season of your life. I wanted to tell you about one of those that has happened and continues to happen for me. My youth pastor, at the time when I was in seventh grade and my life was falling apart, and if it wasn't for him coming and being at the church kind of at the perfect time, I don't know where I would be today as he would walk through me through those tumultuous years of my seventh grade and on through life. His name is Kurt Oheim, and he has just been a spiritual mentor and friend to me even to this day. I mean, as my parents would get a divorce, and basically youth group for several years would become my family uh, for a good part of my life, as well as through me finally going to pray a prayer of salvation at the church camp I would go to, and he being an instrumental part of that, to being on the chrysalis, which is the United Methodist kid version of Curcio, and him being part of that weekend was so instrumental in my life, as well as my calling to youth ministry, as well as to ordination. And then, as, as it is, that is not enough. God also used him to minister to my family as my my grandmother was passing away, and he just happened to be the hospice chaplain, uh, just by by circumstance, or maybe not that day. And then, as well, when my own mom passed away in May, he just saw that that had happened in the newspaper. And as I w- he he came to the funeral unannounced. He and his wife. He has just been a part of my spiritual life and good close friend for many many years. Well, Scripture is full of these types of encounters to where Jesus shows up either himself to another person or like this through other people, and it just changes lives and sets them on new directions and it changes hearts. Well, before us this morning, we have this encounter with Nicodemus in the third chapter of John. And what a great thing for us to consider here in the second Sunday of Lent, just in this encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus, how we see the evidence of a changed heart. So before we look at that, I wanted to contextually let you know about who Nicodemus is, because you... As you know who he is and then how he began to change through this encounter with Jesus, it just paints a beautiful picture of what we can find as we encounter Christ through the Holy Spirit or through other people or other means. So contextually, this is just a little bit about what the scripture and historically we know about Nicodemus. We first hear that he is a Pharisee. And as that word Pharisee rolls off of my tongue, we probably have a 21st century Christian understanding of Pharisee, those that Jesus would constantly get challenged by and just one up, and then some some other things that just might come to mind when we say that word Pharisee. But if we're in putting ourselves into when this is happening, in the day of Jesus, being a Pharisee was actually a badge of honor. 
And they were the masters of self-righteousness and the disciplines of self-righteousness. As we all probably walk, try to be a little self-righteous ourselves and within the practices of it, Nicodemus would be the bar that we would look up to and try to set. Not only as a Pharisee was he a master of the scripture that was available to him in that time and place, could recite it word for word at the drop of a hat, any question somebody had. He was actually a teacher of the Old Testament uh, as, as he knew it very well. And he lived a life of religious practice as he would fast a minimum of twice a day, hit the prayers every time he was supposed to do it in the study of scripture and all of those things. He lived the devout pharisaical life. And as if that is not enough, the Pharisees being the hierarchy of all the denominations in Judaism at that time, we also hear he is a member of the Sanhedrin, the ruling council of the nation of Israel. There were 71 people that, that were appointed to the Sanhedrin, and they were basically the supreme court for the nation of Israel. They would enact and write new laws. They would try heresy. And this, this was a lot of their job as the appointed Supreme Court, uh, the Sanhedrin of the nation of Israel. So we have him being a Pharisee, which puts him in elite company. And even more elite as he was a member of the Sanhedrin. And then we hear Jesus himself say, and it, this is a little lost in translation per what Bible translation you are reading, but Jesus either calls him a great position of respect, a or the teacher of the law within the Sanhedrin. Jesus himself recognizing Nicodemus as a person of great respect and that walks a very holy and self-righteous life. But it would be in this encounter with Jesus that Nicodemus would have his heart, his mind, and his soul greatly altered to where it planted new seeds and it began to start a new direction in his life. Now we hear by the cover of night, he comes to have this encounter with Jesus. Now theologians and scholars argue why Nicodemus came at night. Some believe that it was because he was so busy living his religious life and in his study that at night was the only time he could find time to come and see Jesus. Others believe that it was because Jesus had begun to win him over in his heart just by hearing about it, experiencing it, and then coming to see who Jesus was but not wanting to let his Jewish brothers know that he was beginning to ask questions and to see things a little bit differently than what he had been teaching and how he had been living his life. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and most of the times in Scripture we see a Pharisee coming to Jesus it is in with one of these questions that they will ask that will be designed to trap Jesus. But Nicodemus doesn't ask a question right off the bat. Jesus gives him an answer to his what, what is on his heart before Nicodemus even asks a question. And we hear Jesus say, Nicodemus, to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be Born again, or another translation for, from that is born from above. 
Now that born again and born from above will, will lend itself to the, the natural, what is natural. If we are born again, it's born a second time. And then born from above is born from the spirit, the things that are immortal. And as Nicodemus hears this, being the astute mind and the reputation that he is, he first says, well, how is that possible, Jesus? To be born a second time? I'm a grown man, and there's no way I'm coming out of my mother's womb a second time. How could that be possible? And we hear Jesus say, but very truly I tell you. And in the words of Jesus, it would be, amen, amen. Very truly I tell you that if a man wants to be born a second or wants to enter the kingdom of heaven he must be born from water and from the capital S spirit the holy spirit now this is where we begin to see Jesus is saying the exact things and challenging the way that Nicodemus was living his life and what he was beginning to teach he is actually using scripture the scripture that Nicodemus knew so well to begin to radically transform his heart. As we've heard that Nicodemus was probably the highest level of self-practice and relig religious piety that we could ever look up to. But what Jesus is saying is there must be a second birth of sorts, both of natural and spiritual means that will begin to transform your heart. And it's not about all that outside stuff that you do and how you live, but it's about me coming inside, you recognizing your own sin and me renewing and transforming you so the Holy Spirit can be indwelt. And then from that, it begins to just pour out of you. This Jesus was using, quoting Ezekiel, the 36th chapter to get to the heart and to the mind of Nicodemus. As Ezekiel 36 speaks of a baptism by water and the Holy Spirit and how when that happens, God comes inside and our hearts of stone become hearts of flesh. It is actually an Old Testament prophecy of what it is to be born from above or to be born again. And we hear Nicodemus' response to this. The first question being, well, how can someone be born a physical second time? But now as Jesus is quoting Old Testament scripture from Ezekiel, we hear the response of Nicodemus. And it isn't a casual debate. Well, how can this be? It is more of a, how can this be? That I have been teaching, it is about our outward behavior and our outward practice of religion. But you have just quoted scripture and challenged what I actually teach and what I actually believe and obey. And this is where we begin to see evidence of the changed life of Nicodemus. As we continue to look at it. And Jesus uses this kind of softening his heart and mind to challenge it. And then he, he says, what is to come? 
He says, from Numbers 21, this is the story of Moses. And as Moses and the people around Moses are being attacked in that story of Numbers 21, they're being attacked by several different poisonous serpents. And so they cry out to Moses. Moses cries out to God on their behalf, praying for safety and for healing. And the story goes that they would raise a bronze serpent up on a pole, and by that, that particular group would not be attacked anymore by those servants. Again, Jesus uses that scripture to say, but the Son of Man, just like that snake raised up on that pole, must be raised up for the sins and transgressions of the world. Hinting, prophesying at was what to come as Jesus would face his cross. And that gives birth to the famous verses we know, John 3.16 and 3.17. As Jesus is saying, this is who I am and this is why I've come. And we continue to see the evidence of a changed heart and changed life in the person of Nicodemus. Throughout scripture, what we do not have in front of us today, we only see Nicodemus two more times. But what we see is the beginning of his changed life as a disciple of Christ. If you fast forward to the seventh chapter of John, they are trying to trap Jesus and to try to bring him to trial to question him so they can take him to his cross. But we see they've sent a group of guards out to get Jesus, to bring him before the Sanhedrin. And that first group of guards was not successful in that tempt as they heard Jesus preach. And they said, we can't bring this guy in. So that group of guards comes before the Sanhedrin and said, we heard him and we do not believe we should have brought him in for trial. And the Pharisees and within the Sanhedrin say, he got to you too? Why is he deceiving you? No Pharisees have been betrayed or deceived by him yet, but we know he's working behind the scenes in the life of Nicodemus and in others. Nicodemus not wanting to let that out just yet, but wanting to look like an open-minded practice the law to the T, says, before we bring him in and question him and just make him guilty, shouldn't we hear it out, as is the practice of our Jewish law and customs? So he is beginning to switch, buying Jesus just a little more time, but under the full guise of the law and being one that practices the law. And then we see the second and last time Nicodemus will appear in Scripture is the 19th chapter of John. We hear that the crucifixion has happened. And Joseph of Arimathea, who, who the, is the one that gave the tomb in which the body of Jesus would be placed in, it says he is a secret disciple that didn't want his brothers and sisters to know that he had come in contact and had an encounter with Jesus as well. But he goes to Pontius Pilate, Joseph of Arimathea, and says, can we take the body and place it in the tomb? And as we hear, Pilate grants it, and the one that came in secret behind him was Nicodemus. Nicodemus had brought 75 pounds or so worth of the spices that would be to dress and to prepare the body of Jesus for burial, to be placed in the tomb. 
Now, if you know anything about crucifixion, most of the time it was the most evil of evil of thieves that would be put on the cross by Roman crucifixion. A lot of the times, the people on the cross, they weren't even allowed a proper Jewish burial. They would remove the bodies from the cross, and as thieves, they would just be thrown in the pile of those that had been tried and executed. But to see that Jesus has this place of honor and the secret disciples that are now beginning to act against the custom, everything that they knew and that they were, we see both Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus saying he should have the proper burial per Jewish custom. Can you imagine what would have happened if with those changed hearts and then beginning to step out of and show that Jesus had changed their hearts, their minds, or was beginning to, they were acting and people would see what they were doing and saying, why are you giving that criminal a proper Jewish burial? Or thank God that God got a hold of them and spoke to them that way as instead of the body of Jesus being thrown on the rubble with the other thieves' bodies, he was dressed properly and ready to rise again by the work of these secret disciples. I hope you hear this this morning. It's the evidence of a changed heart in both the lives of Nicodemus as well as Joseph of Arimathea, as they begin to become, take the first step of being disciples, transformed hearts, minds, and spirits by this encounter with Christ. I hope you hear it, and this story does the same thing for you, that as you realize in your story the encounter that you continue to have with Christ in all the various ways that that comes, and that As it happens in the life of Nicodemus, that by encounter with Jesus, Jesus met him right where he was and helped him get over disbelief or helped him get through something he just couldn't do on his own. Or, or, Or for us, there are those times where great blessing in life comes or when life can bring us to our knees. But I hope you hear this encounter with Jesus and Nicodemus as encouragement in your journeys. That no matter where you are or how you arrived this morning, that you realize that Jesus is still at work in you. And your heart continues to be transformed. And if you're like Nicodemus... You need that little kick from the Holy Spirit to get you in a little bit more out of disbelief or to deconstruct something you've known and have taught your entire life to begin to point you on a different path or to meet you in tragedy or suffering and brokenness. Christ is still at work and still overcoming the things in our lives that would try to derail us from relationship with Him. And He is bringing us fully into relationship, and to his mercy, his grace, and his love. And each of us, day by day, continues to be transformed and made into his image. It is all about the transformed heart, the transformed mind, and the transformed spirit, growing in the love, the grace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All praise and be to he that made it so, as we continue on this Lenten journey on the way to the cross 
And that because of his victory won there, that we can live that way of the cross. Amen.